Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. Today is a great day. We have some people from out of state here visiting Boise today for a very special project that I'm excited for you all to hear about. Um, I'd like to welcome Todd Mack. He's the Executive Director of Music in Common. And Trey Carlisle, he's the program coordinator for Music in Common. So welcome. Hey, Holly. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So Todd and Trey are both part of a project that's traveling the country right now. It's called the Black Legacy Project. And it ties in community roundtables with music to celebrate black history and advanced racial solidarity, equity, and belonging. Um, So even though it's not specifically a refugee resettlement program, it does the work that we're all trying to do, right, is create welcoming communities where we can all belong. So thank you so much. And I'm going to actually throw it over to you guys to help explain a little bit more what the Black Legacy Project is, what Music in Common is. Sure. So Music in Common is a nonprofit organization. We are in our 18th year. And um, in a nutshell, what we do is community building, peace building, and conflict mitigation work. Uh, using a combination of facilitated dialogue and collaborative songwriting, uh, multimedia production, and performance. And the Black Legacy Project is our latest latest initiative. Mm-hmm. And the Black Legacy Project, as you shared, it's our musical celebration of black history to advance racial solidarity, equity, and belonging. And it's a national project, but it takes place in local communities across the country. Um, so we're grateful to be launching the project here in Boise, where we um, have engaged community members in discussions around themes and t- two works um, of art central to the Black American experience in Boise. And from those roundtables, we've engaged some amazing local black and white musicians to reimagine those songs or create present day interpretations of those songs. And now today they're working together to co-write an original song specifically about tangible steps that we can take to advance greater belonging in the nation. That's so cool. And I was really honored to see Boise be on a short list of places that you chose for this first tour of the Black Legacy, or one, I don't know if it's your first tour, but um, I think we're the seventh city that you visited. Mm -hmm. And I got to take part in the round table, um, very intimate setting, very deep conversation, uh, sometimes I forgot that it was going to be part of a docu-series and mm. maybe I spoke too freely, <laughs> but it was so great to just hear from other people. Um, talk to us about the roundtable experience and why that's so important for communities. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that we're sort of in this era of uh, digital technology and social media and phones, cell phones, where in some ways we've forgotten how to communicate with each other face-to-face, especially coming out of the pandemic. And, um, you know, we've been doing this long enough to know that the most impactful way to be heard and to hear is in a room together. Um, so doing these roundtables in, in, in a physical space is really important because it just um, sort of humanizes the voice uh, as opposed to hearing it through a screen or reading it uh, on a screen. Um, and we do the roundtables for two reasons. One, to give community members the opportunity to listen, uh, but also to be heard. Uh, and then also to help the musical co-directors who are tasked with reimagining these songs and writing this song um, to be informed by other voices outside of their own. 
um, in, in sort of coming up with their creations. So Trey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how Boise's Roundtable went. What stuck out to you about that evening? Hmm. What stuck out to me the most was how much the participants really appreciated having a space where they were able to come together and discuss um, these, not just the history of race relations in Boise, but the current state and how much they really appreciated and gave their all, like really were deeply engaged in having a robust discussion about this amongst each other in an integrated setting of black and white folks together. But it also really stuck out to me to see how much the participants appreciated discussing these themes in affinity groups and racial affinity groups, which is a core part of our roundtable. So we have community members discuss these topics and themes on an integrated setting, and then we have them break off into racial affinity groups where black folks can discuss among themselves in greater depth how these themes and these songs relate to their lived experiences. White folks do the same, and they come together to share what they learn. And it was really powerful for me to hear some of the black participants in the affinity group that I was facilitating share how like this was the first time in years that they were in a room with like all black people together talking about these things. So it really was meaningful for us to be able to provide a forum where community members can engage in these meaningful conversations, can build connections. Um, and from that, be inspired to explore what can they do individually and what can they do as a community to start advancing greater equity and belonging. That's the whole purpose of the project. But it was really meaningful to see how much participants appreciated that here on Boise. Todd, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, reflections on the roundtable on Boise that we shared. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of what Trey said. I mean, I think there was some really um, powerful and meaningful things shared and that been the part, you know, all the, the, the sort of the success of these roundtables is so contingent on how sort of vulnerable and brave the participants are willing to be. And this is an exceptional group, I think, in that regard. Um, they were sort of willing to take risks. And also, I think, just admit to things, c- concerns, fears, things they perceived as shortcomings in themselves, perhaps. And, um, no, I think it was a great opportunity for people to learn. I think they did learn. I think what stuck out to me too is I was so hungry for that kind of connection and honesty and a safe place to express some things that you talked about social media. I'm like, oh, some of the things that I feel if you were to say on Twitter, you know, out of people could just attack you for it, shame you for it, and there's not really good spaces to explore some of these things. And so I thought it was beautiful that you created a safe place for that in a productive way inspired me. I would love to see um, Idaho Office for Refugees even host more roundtables so people can really connect that way and share. Yeah. So I might be hitting you up for some advice. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of it is just about storytelling, particularly with refugees, which we have done a fair amount of work with refugee communities in other programs that Music in Common does. And, you know, we're always... And often those programs are bringing together refugees and immigrants and American-born participants. And the one, one of many things that they all share in common is this idea of a journey here to this country, which may look very different depending on 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 who they are and how they got here. But it's a starting point for sort of seeing your 
your commonality and your shared humanity in one another. So you've been doing the Black Legacy Project since 2021, visiting places throughout the country with this goal of building a culture of belonging, coming together, taking steps to advance progress here. Can you talk to me about what you've learned over this time and what you'd really like people to, to know? One of the things that I've learned is how important it is to have spaces where people can engage in healthy and facilitated um, human-to-human conversations in person. Echoing to Todd's point, not only have we, maybe as people, forgotten how to communicate with each other, especially around like topics that are intense, um, that are political, um, and that affect you know all of our well-being, but there are very few spaces, I think, where folks can engage in some meaningful, healthy, respectful conversations in our society. So it's been powerful to see that in every community we've gone to, whether it's been predominantly black communities like the Mississippi Delta in Atlanta, Georgia, or you know predominantly white communities like Boise, Idaho, or the Berkshires, how consistently community members expressed how much they appreciated having a space where they were able to talk about these issues and talk about these um, these themes amongst each other, an integrated and affinity group setting, and how much they want more of it um, and how inspired that they are to ha- continue having spaces like this. That's that's really been um, powerful for me to witness. Yeah, I mean, and also I think for me it's been um, maybe not as much learning but reaffirming to see that this very intentionally designed methodology that we implement with the Black Legacy Project, which is the same methodology we use with all of our programming works that, you know, it's the conversations are critical, but there actually needs to be more than just a conversation. And, you know, what we found is if you can start with a conversation and then direct that into a way where um, participants are tasked with a a job, an assignment, a project uh, that requires them to work together. Um, it just reinforces a lot of what it almost it almost allows them to prove to themselves that what they learned in this conversation is is true is is actual, you know. And so, I'm always sort of re inspired whenever I see the process in action and working. I do love the musical component to this and the works of art. I want to talk a little bit more about that. So I understand that Black Legacy's project's first album is coming out this summer. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm Thank excited you. to hear it. Yeah. And then you'll have another one next summer, which will include the three songs produced from the project here in Boise as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the artists that you're working with in Boise and um, how you, why you chose them and what works of art they're going to be working with? Sure. I mean, I can, I can share sort of the general formula that we've applied in all seven of the communities, which is we work really hard to find local. I mean, it's always local artists. Obviously, everybody who's involved here in Boise is a Boise musician. And we work really hard to do our best. And it's not always easy in small towns uh, to find musicians who don't know one another. And that's also part of that process that I was talking about. Um, and so the four musical co-directors who are sort of leading the charge are um, 
Jessica Joy Harned, who is a classically trained violinist, and Dr. Keith Anderson, who is a um, lifelong musician who's sort of coming back to it in retirement. And um, Easton um, Hurst is another musical co-director who is a young musician, um, comes from a very different musical kind of background, played in heavy metal bands, and he's a crazy guitarist. And Ashley Rose, who's a local singer-songwriter, uh, kind of a jazzy sort of thing. So they're all coming from very different places musically. Um, they did not know one another coming into the project. And um, Ashley and Easton have been charged with taking a speech that Dr. Anderson gave um, and creating a song out of it called How to Help America. And um, Jessica and Keith have been tasked with reimagining Elon Jewell's song, Beat the Drum. Elon Jewell is a local, local uh, singer-songwriter gone big time, so an internationally touring artist, but a native Id- Idahoan. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll also be working on a... Th- Third right. Phase. And then, thank you. Yes. And then um, today, uh, sorry. Yes, they will be writing a, an original piece together, the four of them, which is an interesting process unto itself. So anyone who has ever written a song knows that can often be a solitary activity mm-hmm. um, or maybe working with one other. So um, it's simultaneously too many cooks in the kitchen and light, many hands make light work and somehow they find a balance and always uh, come up with something meaningful and great. And so this is no exception. I'm curious why you chose to come to Boise. So for phase one of the Black Legacy Project, which was to launch the project in seven communities across the nation with these like week-long experiences, we wanted the seven communities to reflect the diverse experience of living in the United States. So we wanted to choose a mix of big cities, small towns, predominantly black communities, predominantly white communities, to show that not only is there black history in communities, in every community across the nation, but there's also a history of black and white folks working in solidarity um, in every community across the nation. And there's a need to have conversations where we can learn and reclaim this history and learn how can we continue this work now. So, As a result, we wanted to uh, bring the project to a place like Boise, um, a place where whenever we mention, if we're taking the black LP to Idaho, they're like, are there black people in Idaho? (laughs) Um, And uh, so we're grateful to be launching the project here under the theme of um, where you least expect it to be able to show and have community members discuss and then expressed via these songs and via this docuseries that highlights the experience here that um, not only is there a powerful, um, rich and unexpectedly powerful black history and history of interracial solidarity here in Idaho, in Boise specifically, but how can we learn from that? And how can we be inspired by that? And then from that, how could we carry on the legacy of those in the past who paved the way to advance greater belonging? Boise and in the whole state of Idaho now. I thought that was the perfect theme for Boise because even working in refugee resettlement, mm. we get the surprises, even from people who have been in Idaho for a long time. I didn't yeah. know we did refugee resettlement here. And it's a really cool part of our state's history that has enriched our state so much with such beautiful people and cultures. Yeah. 
um, that have come together. So, but also doing this work, I want to have honest and frank conversations, look at what is not sugarcoat things. We try to stay positive, but there are issues. So have you in your work found ways to celebrate the solidarity that has existed, the wonderful cultures and relationships while also being frank about the problems? A hundred percent. And you see that when you participate in our roundtable discussions, you see that when you even hear the songs that are reimagined and even in the original songs that come out of every project um, and every launch of the Black Legacy Project, we talk about these real heartbreaking, intense legacies of racism in the United States. Um, when we launched the project in Northwest Arkansas, the theme was after sundown. So community members were talking about the legacy of sundown towns, communities that would exclude and expel black Americans from living there through violence. Um, we launched the project in Berkshires and um, we were talking about the legacy of lynching um, and had community members reimagine strange fruit um, by Billie Holiday. So in every community, you know, we call it the Black Legacy Project and not just the Black History Project because through conversation and through music, we have community members explore the legacy of racism in the United States and in their specific local community, how the heartbreaking realities and practices of anti-black racism and its effects now, but equally as important, if not more important. We want community members to explore this also legacy of black and white folks working together in solidarity mm -hmm. to not just take action against the legacy of racism, but to further embody and cultivate greater equity and belonging. And that's a history that is not often talked about and not often recognized. And I think through doing so, it's very powerful for black and white folks alike, those folks of all racial backgrounds, to see themselves in this history, um, to see themselves and be inspired by those of the past, cross-racial backgrounds, who did this work of advancing solidarity. And then they can be inspired and be like, well, I can do that too. I can build off of that and continue that legacy was inspiring for me, especially the conversations we had about being, we, we'd use the example of nonviolent versus anti-violent. Mm -hmm. Nonviolent, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not violent, but you're not necessarily stopping. You see a fight going on, you're not necessarily calling the police or shouting or doing anything. You're just like, well, I'm not going to get involved because right. I'm nonviolent. But anti-violent, you would do something. And it was a good reminder, non-racist and anti-racist. Um, it was empowering to remember that there are steps to take. There's ways to work together on this. So, um, yeah, Todd, I'd love to hear what do you hope next for this project and the impact it might have? Well, as Trey alluded to, phase one earlier, and that's sort of kind of where we're at right now, wrapping up these first seven communities that we've launched it in. And the project will start to sort of take on a different, sort of a different look moving forward where um, while these are really amazing and powerful and meaningful experiences, they're like a week-long residency. They're long. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, we recognize that the, the project will have its greatest impact if it can touch as many people as possible. And so um, with the album coming out this summer, we'll be launching a touring band that will then be traveling the country and hopefully internationally, bringing the music, these 24 songs, uh, to audiences worldwide. 
Um, our docu-series will have seven episodes, including one from Boise, mm-hmm. which will be shared both in screenings at events, but uh, hopefully via uh, a streaming platform or some other way of accessing it online. And the idea is how can we, um, how can we just take the, the, the message um, and the mission of this project and get it to as many people as possible? How about you, Trey? What do you hope the ripple effect is from this work that you've been doing? I always say that we always say that the purpose of the Black Legacy Project is to be a platform um, to inspire ongoing conversations and collaborations among community members about how to advance greater equity, solidarity, and belonging. Whether those future and ongoing efforts and collaborations are in partnership and collaboration with us or whether they organically grow among community members themselves. Um, that's the whole goal. So, you know, my hope and vision is that from um, launching the project in Boise and the other six communities that we've launched in and through phase two, taking it across the country, that people can be inspired and feel empowered to engage and host and, and, and have conversations across racial divides in their communities and their families and their places of employment and schools and be inspired to explore what can I do to help advance greater belonging and my position of influence in my career and my community and who can I collaborate with in my community for uh, to advance that as well. I love that focus too of your world like sometimes the world feels too overwhelming to ever try to fix or do anything with. Yeah. But when you think about your own circles and the light that you bring to those, it feels a little bit more doable. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious for the two of you, after doing this, do you feel, did you feel moments of dishearten or maybe moments of encouragement when it comes to race relations in America? We talked about Idaho having this, you know, steps forward and then steps back and regression, progression. And did you kind of feel that through this journey? I mean, yeah. And I think that's why we're doing it. And um, and I don't think Idaho is alone. I think that that is actually what it is. But if it's two steps forward and one step back, that's still a step forward. And I think it just requires commitment and sort of this understanding that that's kind of how it is. And it's okay if that sort of that pattern or that formula doesn't change as long as the direction is still forward. Yeah, one of the things Todd says a lot is, you know, sometimes you have to practice and have hope even in moments when you don't feel it. And um, and I agree with that 100%. I feel hope is like the currency or the rent that I pay mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of living on this planet because I am able to live in this country now with the rights and opportunities and privileges that I had because my parents and my grandparents and those who came before us practice hope and built a better world in a time where it was much easier to feel hopeless and disheartened than it is now. So even in the moments when I do feel discouraged, hope is much less of a feeling to me, but it's more so it's a way of being and it's a way of life. and It's a responsibility because if I'm able to pass on a better world uh, to my children and to my grandchildren than the one that I have now, then I did my part because um I think people will often think that the the fight for justice, I learned this from one of my mentors, people will think that it's either a marathon and some people will try to treat it as a sprint. It's actually neither. It's a, it's a relay race. Mm. 
So how do we pick up the legacy of those before us, do run, run our extent with it, and then pass it on to the next generation? I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything you want to share about how people listening can be involved or support this work? Yeah, I mean, just the, probably the easiest way is to find us online at um, musicincommon.org or theblacklegacyproject.org or on social media, both of those handles. There are a lot of ways that people can get involved. There's volunteer opportunities, but I think the most tangible way is to work with us to bring the project in some capacity to your community. It, and it doesn't have to be a week-long immersive residency. It could be a, a, a two-hour film screening and, and community conversation. And sometimes we don't even need to be there. We can just give you the tools that you can do it yourself. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. I want to give a shout-out to Boise Hive. Absolutely. I understand yeah. that's the studio where the artists are working on their yes. yep. pieces. So yep. very cool to have to have that resource and partnership. Yeah, they've been really supportive, and we're we're very grateful to them. You're both from Atlanta, right? Or currently? Yeah, yeah we both live in Atlanta. And the Music and Common is based there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you been to Boise before? Mm-mm. Or Idaho? First time. First time. Yeah, but we'll be back. Good. Yeah. Good, I hope you're Often and time. regularly, yeah. This, this won't be this thundery next <laughs> time in the rain. Enjoy it while you can. You got so. it. Yeah, we get a lot of rain thunder in Atlanta, so. It's, I've been loving it. I've been soaking it up because I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you both. It's an honor to have you on Mosaics, and I appreciate all the work that you're doing and feel very honored that you came to Boise. Thank you, Holly. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit IdahoRefugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the M.J. Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics.